You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome, my friends. Welcome to another edition of The Corbett Report. I am your host, James Corbett, podcasting to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan on this third day of October 2010. And I'd like to welcome all of the listeners to The Corbett Report and invite them all, as always, to check into my website, CorbettReport.com, where you can find links to my other websites and also links to all of those websites that I support or that support The Corbett Report. Now, this is the 150th episode of The Corbett Report podcast, How to Defeat the New World Order, and it is a listener participation episode, so in the interests of saving time and making sure that I have as much time as possible to get to as many entries and comments on this topic as possible, I will dispense with the usual formalities, including, as I'm sure you noticed, the opening music, and also I will not be playing Sunday Update on this edition of the podcast, but I urge all of the listeners who are interested in Sunday Update to go to youtube.com slash Report or to look at the homepage CorbettReport.com to see this week's edition of Sunday Update, which will be being uploaded later today, Sunday, October 3rd. Now, as I said, I want as much time as possible to go over entries because I received literally hundreds of entries for this week's episode of the podcast and was overwhelmed by the response. And unfortunately, that means there's no way I will possibly be able to get to everyone's comments. So I apologize in advance to everyone whose comment or feedback or email or voicemail or YouTube response I have not been able to get to in this week's episode. I do sincerely appreciate everyone who took the time to write in a response, and I have made the utmost effort to try to collect those responses which I think are representative of the responses that were sent in. So once again, I do apologize if I wasn't able to get to your response specifically in this episode, but I am going to make an effort to get to as many possible entries as I can. But before we do that, I have uh, two very important announcements to make. The first is that I was a guest on the In the Zone with Eric Shine radio broadcast on Republic Broadcasting yesterday, last Saturday, October 2nd, which airs at 9 p.m. Pacific, which is 12 midnight on technically Sunday in the eastern part of North America. And people who are interested in that conversation can, of course, subscribe to the Republic Broadcasting archives at republicbroadcasting.org in order to download the archive of that conversation. But as of yesterday, and in the foreseeable future, I am going to be a co-host on In the Zone with Eric Shine on Republic Broadcasting. So if you are able to, please tune in, either through a local AM or FM affiliate, or online at republicbroadcasting.org, in order to listen to that program. Again, it airs on Saturday nights at 9pm Pacific, and again, that's 12 midnight Eastern Standard Time. Finally this week, I need to call on the listeners for your help in a very specific matter once again, and it will only require a few moments of your time. But just as you came through so startlingly well in attempting to recruit Max Kaiser to come on the program for an episode of Economics 101, I now need to enlist your help for a little task in the info war. Namely, as several of my listeners have pointed out in recent weeks, the Corbett Report podcast on iTunes is no longer updating properly. For some reason, the iTunes podcast is pointing to an RSS feed that doesn't exist, and therefore new episodes are not being pulled down through iTunes on the iTunes store. So if you have an iTunes account, please open iTunes, go to the iTunes store, and type in the Corbett Report. 
click on the podcast and there should be a link to report a concern. Please click that link and enter in, well, anything that you want, namely just something to indicate that you can't download the podcast or that the feed points to the wrong URL or anything along those lines, just to let them know that there's something wrong. I have personally tried to resolve this, but there is nothing I can do on my end to change it. They have to make the change on their end, and so far they've ignored my requests to change that feed. So if we get several hundred people, hopefully, just reporting a concern, they'll get the picture and change that so that the podcast will once again update properly through iTunes. So once again, I very much need your help in that because there are so many people who have gotten and hopefully will continue to get the podcast through iTunes. And uh, I very much need your support in this. So please go to iTunes store, type in Corbett Report, click on the Corbett Report podcast, and then click Report a Concern in order to let Apple know that they have the wrong URL for the RSS feed. But now, without further ado, as I said, we have many, many, many exciting, interesting, and very thought-provoking responses to my very open-ended question, how to defeat the New World Order, so I'm going to try to attempt to hit on as many of them as possible. And let's get straight into the meat and potatoes by taking a listen to a very interesting uh, voicemail that came in through the voicemail line from an anonymous caller with a very interesting idea. Hey there, James. Uh, I have an idea for your list of 150 ways to defeat the New World Order. Uh, My entry is Backyard Chickens. Thanks, and thanks for all that you do. Backyard chickens, indeed. Well, why not? That's all part of the self-sufficiency, which the Corbett Report has been promoting for a long time now, and uh, most recently, perhaps, in episode 146 of this podcast. So, by all means, backyard chickens, bring down the New World Order. I'm with you, man. Well, that leads us right into the first category, the broad category, I think, of Uh, submissions that we received here uh, regarding ways to defeat the New World Order, and I guess this could be called the food and health category, and dipping into the mailbag for emails received from various people, we can get a, a taste of what people were sending in on this subject from Steve from Australia, who writes, quote, We must, all of us, refuse to buy any foods that have been genetically modified. We must, all of us, demand that all foods containing GM organisms are so labeled so that we know what is in our food and refuse to buy them. In this way, the Monsantos of this world will go broke and good riddance, end quote. And I think very few people could disagree with that sentiment. The right to know what is in your food is absolutely one of the most basic rights regarding food and health and environment and safety that we could possibly be advocating for. And it's just pure lunacy that the FDA would actually stop companies from saying that their, uh, that their food products don't contain GMOs. So that's something that Americans need to be lobbying very hard right now for just the right to know what's in your food and we know what effect that can have because already recombinant bovine growth hormone milk is almost impossible to buy now because people became informed about the issue and refused to buy it so that can have an effect and we can change the system and we can get off these gmos that are having absolutely unknown and potentially 
quite disastrous effects on not only ourselves, but on the entire biosphere. So that's an absolutely key issue. So good point, Steve, from Australia. Also on the food and health issue, we got an email from Gwen, who's been a longtime supporter of the Corbett Report, and I'm very thankful for all the, the correspondence she sent in over the years. And she writes, quote, I avoid going to the doctor and taking medicine as I am convinced that the pharma lobby does not intend to make you healthy, but intends to keep you ill so that you have to buy more and more of their, in most cases, poisonous medicine. I prefer, for example, drinking herbal tea and other ways of natural healing. Many people could heal their illnesses just by changing their food. Eat fresh food, lots of vegetables to ensure your vitamin and mineral supply. Avoid sugar and white flour. Stay healthy to live and fight back another day. End quote. Again, I think some sage words of advice from Gwen, absolutely spot on. I think people do need to concentrate more on eating healthy as a way of taking the preventative medicine rather than relying on the big pharma industry, which has been proven time and time again to have a lot of doctors in their back pocket and to be pumping basically dangerous and in some cases deadly poisons into your body in the name of health. And on that very note, we have this call that came in from a listener called Brad, who is a farmer and who took the time to read a very lengthy passage from a book, Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. Now, I don't have time to play the entire quote that he read into the voicemail, but I do have time to play this section, which talks about the diet dictocrats. The premise of, the, of this book is that the advice of the diet dictocrats, a.k.a. the New World Order, uh, <laughs> what they tell us, and just as important, what they don't tell us is wrong. Not 100% wrong. <laughs> you see, there's a certain amount of truth in their pronouncements, enough to give them credibility, but not enough to save us from the sufferings of chronic disease. So who are these diet dictocrats? In general, they are doctors, researchers, and spokesmen for various government and quasi-governmental agencies, such as the FDA, the, Medi- the AMA, the ADA, uh, prestigious hospitals and research centers such as Sloan Kettering and the National uh, Institutes of Health and the National Heart and Lung Blood Institute, university medical schools and nutritional departments, uh, the National Academy of Science, and the large so-called philanthropic organizations like the American Cancer Society, the American Heart Association, ostensibly dedicated to combating our most serious diseases, you know, the all New World Order people, you know. Based on what we read in the newspapers and national magazines, these organizations speak with one voice, exercise, eat vegetables, stop smoking, reduce salt, they say, and cut back or eliminate animal fats and red meat, which is wrong. Now, I know a lot of people have some very strong opinions about particular points about diet and what should or should not be eaten or what should or should not be avoided, but certainly I think we can all agree that the modern, typical modern uh, Western diet of fast food and greasy food and salty food and sugary food is, on the whole, extremely unhealthy and does not absolutely in any way play into a healthy diet. And what is recommended as a healthy diet in most cases probably isn't. So I recommend people check out that Nourishing Traditions book, which I have not done. So I will probably have to do that myself as well to find out more about Sally Fallon and her ideas. But thank you once again to Brad for sending that in. Now, I think that ties in very interestingly and effectively to what 
I think is the next broad category of feedback that we received on the how to defeat the New World Order topic, and that is what I've called getting off the grid, but could easily be called building a self-sustaining community. And there was, again, quite a lot of feedback on this front, so let's go to the mailbag for some ideas on that, and we'll start with an email from Ribo, who wrote, Grow your own food. We've always had a garden, but this year we we made a bit much bigger garden and convinced neighbors to use some of their big lawn as a garden. We've learned how to preserve our food and harvest our heirloom organic seeds too. Or, drive out to the country and discover the local farmers in your area and start a co-op with your friends to support local organic farmers and feed your family fresh whole local foods to avoid big agra GMO and pesticides. Or, get your city to allow the empty lots to be used as community gardens. Or, don't wait for permission and just do some guerrilla gardening anywhere you can. End quote. Well, thank you for that, Ribo. I think absolutely, again, that's something that we're very much in favor of here at the Corbett Report. And again, you might want to listen to episode 146 for more about urban gardening and the importance of starting a garden as a self-sustaining part of getting off the grid and building a community that matters. And uh, again, if people heard the latest edition of New World next week, they might understand just how important the farmer's market angle is and just exactly why it's being now co-opted and mimicked by the big corporations that want to get in on the trend. So I think that is something that is hurting them. And that's, again, a good point of leverage that we can use in our fight against the New World Order. Uh, Moving on, we have Chad, who wrote this, quote, For me, it's all about energy. If you can produce your own energy for free, then you can heat, cool, light your your house, grow your own food year-round hydroponically, make drinking water using an atmospheric water generator, and possibly power an electric vehicle. Not only would this save a lot of money, but would serve many controls the... sever many controls the NWO has on us. No GMO food, no fluoride, and no gasoline. The money savings would free up a parent to stay at home and homeschool the kids. End quote. Well, I think energy sufficiency, again, is another key part of getting off the grid and stop relying on the system that is enslaving us for the energy which we need to do our daily deeds. So once again, I don't think anyone can fault anyone for looking for alternative forms of energy or ways that we can get off the grid in that manner. And I think that's to be applauded as well. Again, we had a different idea from KT at the in the email comments. So let's go to the mailbag quote. Like-minded individuals should relocate, i.e. free state project, and start forming their own communities with a local economy. Perhaps local currency can be used to keep the currency circulating within the community. Gardening farming should be encouraged to foster a communal interdependence, end quote. Well, absolutely, and in fact, that's a point that many of the listeners in, uh, br- brought up in their responses. So let's go to a YouTube video response to the uh, How to Defeat the New World Order video on my YouTube account in order to find out more from a very detailed and interesting post by a user by the name of Sleepy Salsa, who has five solutions in six minutes. Unfortunately, we don't have time to play the entire video, but it was a very thoughtful response, so I would suggest people go and take a look at that video from the video responses to my How to Defeat the New World Order video. But right now, let's listen to Sleepy Salsa talking about the idea of building a community with its own currency. Number two, recruit like-minded people into a community of trust especially with the establishment of a local currency and concomitant bartering system. Since this is more in line with the alternate parallel civilization strategy, other people are required to pull this off to a very high degree. 
convincing even the most libertarian of folks to more or less abandon using Federal Reserve notes is easier said than done. For those interested in pursuing absolute individualism, I would recommend instead to only invest in gold, silver, land, and other tangible assets of positive value while ignoring other people. Once again, thank you to Sleepy Salsa for his very thoughtful YouTube video response, so please go and check it out in its entirety so you better understand the context of that comment. But I think that leads us nicely into the topic of currencies and the economy in general, which was another extremely popular topic for feedback on how to defeat the New World Order. And uh, let's go straight into the mailbag for an email from Batman, who writes, Take physical delivery of your gold, no paper contracts. Call them on their bluff that they have the gold to back up all the paper contracts. This will get the NWO to fight within, end quote. Well, absolutely. Sage words of advice from Batman. Thank you, Caped Crusader. Uh, and that was backed up by numerous different comments, including one from the Netherlands from a, a correspondent Tacitus. Quote, a co coordinated simultaneous demand to deliver the physical gold or silver that the banking cabal suppo supposedly is storing for their clients who they sold gold to and silver shares ETFs would suffice. As you are aware of, there is an ongoing fractional reserve gold and silver scheme to prevent gold and silver from shining and reclaim their place as the people's money of primary resort. Such a move would definitely lead to the collapse of Wall Street's most influential player over the last 100 years, J.P. Morgan, that holds 98% of the sh silver short positions on the COMEX. Uh, from Steve, we, all, we have this comment, quote, If enough people can be persuaded to purchase just an ounce of silver or of gold and take physical delivery, it collapses the fiat fraud. Perhaps groups can organize to purchase a contract for delivery from the exchanges. At $21 an ounce, one mini contract is $21,000. At 100 people, it would take $210 each to buy a contract and take delivery. Repeat this with a couple of hundred buying clubs, and you can crash the system. Similar math for gold could be done. The key is for either one to actually take delivery of the metal. How it is divided up is another story. Perhaps each group or club could be organized as an LLP and designate a storage location, end quote. So certainly a lot of people advocating silver and gold and physical silver and gold as a way of bringing down the fiat money system, which is propped up by debt to the banksters. And a, a very similar related note comes from Jeremy, who calls in with this idea for an online silver barter exchange. Um, I'm a trade coordinator with Open Currency. It's opencurrency.com. And I also have a new website called freeworldmarket.com. And the purpose uh, of these sites and the system is to create an exchange system that uses silver as the bartering medium and, uh, and essentially a currency except doing it online um, to make it more decentralized and uh, easier for people to use. <clears throat> essentially, what we're trying to do is get people away from using fiat money, which is controlled by the government, and using silver, which is objective that anybody can create. Interested listeners are invited to go to opencurrency.com to check out more about that idea. I haven't really used the site, but uh, it looks interesting, so certainly explore the information there. 
Uh, for, let's go back to the mailbag for an idea uh, for the economic info war, so to speak, from Mike, who writes, quote, I thought about designing a green greenback flyer, so passing them out would be like handing out money. People would be more likely to accept it and more likely to pass them out. It would be an informational piece about the deception of debt-based private central bank-controlled monetary systems and what true monetary reform is. I believe that there could be a monetary reform movement that would dwarf the Tea Party in 12 to 24 months because it would truly be bipartisan and focused on a single issue. More and more people will be looking for answers as the worldwide economy declines, and when these greenbacks start showing up all over the place, they'll have a place to start finding those answers, end quote. Well, that's a good idea for helping to spread the word, and I think people obviously would be more inclined to accept an informational piece of paper that looks more like the pieces of paper that they mistake for something of value. And certainly in the declining economy, monetary reform is more and more the issue, which is exactly why Mike was definitely not alone in advocating monetary reform. Uh, Bill also sent in an email quote, uh, saying, quote, what everyone can do right away is call their congressmen and senators and tell them that we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve as it is unconstitutional, has no oversight whatsoever, are hiding things, etc. We need to print our own money. There is no purpose for the Fed whatsoever. Without the Fed, they have no control. End quote. A sentiment echoed by M, who writes, quote, Monetary reform, full reserve banking. This will all almost eliminate the crippling amount of control private bankers have on the world and our resources. Spread awareness of the need to reform money, end quote. Well, I couldn't agree more. I think monetary reform is very much at the heart of the issues that we face, and control over the money is very much something which gives control over society. And uh, that was perhaps best articulated on Economics 101 by... F. William Engdahl, who wrote about the gods of money. So people can check uh, the YouTube archives for that one. It was a very interesting conversation. And also we had an extended interview with him on the interviews tab of CorbettReport.com. And on the issue of full reserve banking, again, that's an excellent idea that was advocated by pa Patrick Carmack, who was one of the producers behind the Money Masters. And you can read his Monetary Reform Act on the Money Masters homepage, which advocates a system of full reserve banking and bringing the Federal Reserve back under the control of Congress where it belongs instead of printing fiat money in debt to the bankers, the money could be used as a way of actually leveraging society. So I think that's a valuable idea and people really who have not seen the Money Masters are really, really, really advised to go and watch that as it is generally a life-changing experience for people who don't know much about the monetary reform issue. And on that note, obviously money does feed and power the beast, so there is often an urge amongst the public to starve the beast of that money. Hi, this is Chris from Philly. Uh, one way to defeat the New World Order is to not pay taxes. And obviously you shouldn't do anything that will get you in trouble, but uh, you can do whatever you can get away with, like working under the table or paying people under the table, or don't hold fiat money because inflation is sort of a tax. And uh, every dollar you save is a dollar you can use to uh, donate to people like James Corbett. And every dollar you don't give to them is one they can't use to oppress you. Well, while I certainly do appreciate the plug in that voicemail, I, of course, cannot and do not advocate that anyone breaks the law. That's obviously a decision that they'd have to make for themselves. And I think a more fundamental and perhaps better way of approaching the issue is to change the laws from inside the system and uh, to advocate real change by winning the hearts and minds of the black ski mask wearing commandos who storm people's house late at night if they dare to protest in terms of tax resistance. 
because we all know what happened to Ed and Elaine Brown, and unfortunately that's what tends to happen to people who go against the system. So we have to change the system. I think that's probably a more effective way of getting to the real root of the matter. But tax resistance, of course, has a long and, and rich history that people would behoove themselves to look into. But uh, let's move along to another aspect of the economy, which, again, was a very popular topic. Uh, we have this message from Mike. Quote, if we just simply convict these alleged globalist elite, we will have to worry about another group to replace them. So what is the source of these issues? Well, look at society. In a monetary system, profit is the number one goal, and people may do anything to gain it, whether it would be causing wars or genocide. Our values are structured around this system. We need to change the value system everyone has, and then we have to evolve to a better way of resource management than this outdated system of money. We already reached a point where we can produce more than we can consume, and it is possible to bring needed resources to all of the world's people without any need of exchange. Through education, technology, and ambition, we can make a better world for all of us without needing to resort to a violent revolt. People said men can never fly. They also said that we can never go to outer space. Now people doubt that we can live in a system without money. They were wrong before, and they are still wrong today. Day, end quote. Thank you, Mike, for sending in your comments. And I did receive uh, quite a few emails from the Lucifer Project, I'm sorry, the Venus Project promoters and the Zeitgeist uh, movement promoters. And uh, they, yes, um, thank you for sending in your comments. Um, but to all of the people who are part of the Zeitgeist movement and do follow the Lucifer, I'm sorry, the Venus Project, um, please, I exhort, I urge, I truly, truly hope that you will look into and actually read the writings of people like H.G. Wells and Bertrand Russell and how they advocated the rise of a technocracy which would decide how and when and why people got their resources and that everything would be done by this wonderful, beloved, benevolent technocracy that, oh, by the way, wants to eliminate most of the human population and to truly consider what the Zeitgeist movement is really proposing when they talk about these benevolent computers that are somehow going to calculate the resources of the world and divide them fairly amongst us all. It's, I would tend to say, I, I really want you to look into the idea of the technocracy, because I really and truly think that that's going down the wrong track, and I do not advocate or side with that uh, resource-based economy at all. I do think um, monetary reform is such an important issue, and uh, there is always going to be a problem whenever there is money, because there are always people who want to control money. But I don't think that there is a way to fundamentally get rid of that, and I don't think that the utopian system can ever be brought in, because once we eliminate money or a medium of exchange of any sort, then we eliminate private property, and we eliminate the ability of people to make their own decisions for themselves and to communicate and interact with each other on an individual basis without any outside interference, which is what necessarily would happen in the resource-based economy. So once again, I do not advocate the, I'm sorry, the Venus Project in any way. But on a related note, and one that I think actually is a very good solution, we have the idea for a new capitalism or social capitalism, which is advocated by Morgan of wikiworldorder.com, also known as altbib.com. And of course, people might know that they back up all of the episodes of the Corbett Report. So if you ever have a problem reaching the Corbett Report server, you can go to altbib.com to download previous episodes. So let's listen to a video made by Morgan of Wiki World Order talking about social capitalism. My favorite solution to fight the new world order is to fight daily with our dollars to support something Muhammad Yunus calls social businesses. These types of companies have a bottom line of maximizing their positive social impact. 
and not necessarily profits. Many industries already have smaller social business options, which we can start supporting for all the products we and services we really need. We can also try to、uh, push hard on Washington to start buying as much as they can from social businesses to jumpstart their initial growth, buying solar panels instead of bombs. You can find out more about the social business phenomenon on the fourth episode of the Wiki World Order Report at wikiworldorder.com. And once again, please check that out. And you can check out the video on the responses to how to defeat the new world order. And that leads into an email that we received from Fausti's blog, and he had six very good, very simple, very easy to implement points of getting off the grid and helping to divert money away from the beast that's enslaving us. Number one: starve the corporations of the too big to fail type and reduce their power. This also deprives the government of revenue, so necessitating reduction in its size. Number two: reduce your consumption and/or buy from your local mom and pop stores. Number three: save up what you need. Don't use credit cards. Number four: pay off your loans as soon as possible and don't take out any more. Number five: remove your savings from international corporate casino banks and put them into small safe savings banks. Number six: pay for as much as you can via cash so your spending habits can't be tracked. Well, absolutely. Thank you for those comments, Fausti's blog. I think those are points that everyone can and should be trying to implement in their daily lives as much as possible. That brings us to the next broad category of responses that we received, and that can fall under the rubric of politics and law. And we received an email from Jeff. Quote, Nearly all citizens are in agreement to certain principles. If a new political party was to form that embraced these principles, it would attract disenfranchised citizens of the left. The right and the middle, the right to vote on propositions such as those seen in California. This takes power from the current government system and gives power back to the people. A standing grand jury whose sole purpose is to seek out and prosecute corruption in Washington. A special grand jury of specially screened jurors would be selected for national security issues. No one in government would be above or out of reach of these grand juries. Elimination of campaign financing by way of donations. Publicly funded campaigns only. Term limits. This political party would take a neutral stand on all other issues, leaving those issues to be settled by proposition. Even though this party may only garner twenty to thirty percent of the vote, they would be able to negotiate with the Democrats or Republicans to form a majority co- coalition if the principles of this new party are incorporated into the major party's platform. End quote. Well, the idea of forming a new political party that incorporates both the left and right of the phony left-right system is again very popular with listeners. And let's dip into the voicemail mailbox for a voicemail from Don, who has this to say about uniting the left and the right. I think it's、uh, pretty obvious. One of the things that we have to do to defeat the new world order, we have to unite the American people. We have to unite the left. And the right, the Democrats and the Republicans, and expose the left-right paradigm or the failed game of this left-right、uh, no-win situation. They all work for the same boss, and、uh, that's got to be exposed. And then we've got to educate the population on、uh, the real truth on issues like 9/11 and、uh, the Federal Reserve. I think are the two biggies. I'm hammering the labor unions all the time about、uh, 9/11 and the Federal Reserve.、Uh, they've got to stand up for America. So we've got to unite the people on a few issues, 
picking the Constitution, the Federal Reserve, 9-11, a small handful of issues, say three to five issues, and unite everyone around that. I'm not left, I'm not right, I'm not red, I'm not blue. I'm a varying shade of purple. It's what you get when you mix red and blue. See you later. Keep up the good work. Well, amen to that. May we all turn a shade of purple and combat the forces of blackness, the tyranny and oppression that seek to enslave us all. Now, you heard there Don mentioning that he's fighting with the labor unions on the 9-11 subject, and that ties us into an important point that we're reminded of by our old friend Denis Rancourt out of uh, Ottawa, who sent in this YouTube video response about the importance of taking the fight to wherever you are and stepping up the political pressure in whatever way you can. Hello, um, hello, James Corbett of Corbett Report. This is Denis Rancourt in Ottawa. How to defeat the New World Order, or how to defeat uh, hierarchy and oppressive bosses in our lives, basically. Um, my suggestion is to um, resist and to fight back at the point of contact with the system. That is where the system has the most power over us as individuals. And that is at work if you're a worker, at school if you're a student, in prison if you're a prisoner, on the street if you're a homeless person, etc that is the place where you have the strongest contact to the economy and that's the place where you can have the largest uh, impact in terms of resisting that so what we need is dissidents at work what we need is for people to apply um, their sense that they're entitled to more democracy in the workplace and at school um, and this means uh, developing a an attitude at work that is against accepting authority and that is against accepting undemocratic control over our lives. I think that that's where we need to play out and I think that the successful revolutions uh, such as the recent fall of the Berlin Wall and what has occurred in the Russian system uh, was largely due to a, a large number of people who had this very uh, anti-authoritarian attitude and approach to how the system was controlling their lives and that is what uh, created the possibility of some significant change and that is what um, hampered the system in completely controlling people's lives. So that is my suggestion on how to go about resisting uh, this madness and this control, the hierarchy that controls our lives. Denis Rancourt's writings can be found at activistteacher.blogspot.com now, on a proactive note, turning to the broad category of Infowar, which again was a very important and very popular topic for responses to how to defeat the New World Order, I present to you this email from Maria Technoksucks, a blogger who wrote, quote, In response to your request for listener feedback, here's what I think we need to do to defeat the New World Order. Take back the schools. Growing up in the Netherlands in the 1990s and going to a semi-secular Catholic high school, I recall how me and my fellow students were taught in the context of an introduction to economics class, how the WTO is great, how the World Bank is great, GATT is great, NAFTA is great, transfer pricing is great, and none of the parents ever protested. My American friends tell me similar stories. In the context of a geography class, we were being taught that man-made global warming would cause floods in the Netherlands in the next century, and none of the parents ever said anything. Same here is what my American friends tell me. 
Then came my time as a student at the University of Amsterdam. Like Cherie from Truth Frequency Radio, I too was once a socio student, a student of sociology or social studies as it's called in America. I too discovered that the so-called social studies is basically eugenics studies. The teacher literally got up during one of the first lectures at the beginning of the very first semester and said, we need to eliminate the number of poor, just like that in front of the class. During that first semester, they made us read no less than two different books about suicide, supposedly as cultural studies. I also discovered that the sociology department was sheltering a pedophilia advocate who had literally published in the Journal of Pedophilia. Can you believe that such a journal even exists? I protested the pedo professor, and I was the only one of a class of about 100 students that year to do so. I don't think that homeschooling, the knee-jerk answer of many Americans to their own broken-down school system, is the solution to these problems. I often tell people who suggest homeschooling, can you homeschool a Surgeon General or a rocket scientist? Homeschooling and self-study might be an answer for some people and for some students, but for the overwhelming majority of us, for whom homeschooling is definitely not an option, we have no choice but to take back the schools either from within or working from without, like I am doing, informing my fellow students about the school surveillance efforts. And that's from Maria Technosucks, an anti-fascist blogger located in the Netherlands. So thank you to Maria for that. And although I think that homeschooling can be a valuable answer to the problems of the education system, which are, as I'm sure my listeners know, is just an education reindoctrination training camp for good little minions of the New World Order to grow up in, I do think that it is important also to very much take back the school system and steer it towards what we want by getting involved with the school system instead of disengaging from it. And as she says, working from within to change the system, which again is another important theme of today's episode and one that has been taken to heart by at least one listener, Matt, who called in on the topic of educating children. Um, my little way of defeating the new world order is through education. Uh, I'm going back to school to become an educator. I'm uh, planning on teaching the fifth grade. And even though it's a very young age to start introducing kids to the new world order, um, that's my plan. Obviously, it's hard to do this through the uh, re-education camps that the public school system has become. Um, So my end plan is to have a private school for profit that I will teach kids, you know, the cutting edge in science, mathematics, uh, and all, all the things that they need to know, um, cutting out all the propaganda that these children are receiving every day in school. So uh, in a nutshell, my way of defeating the New World Order is through education. Um, the young minds need to learn from an early age what it is that's coming at them in full force attack, trying to destroy their society and their country and their mind. So. That is the way I'm taking care of it. Um, doing so every day in the books. Eventually, I'll have uh, 20 or 30 kids in front of me every day. And that's how I'm going to do it, one mind at a time, defeating the New World Order. Well, good for you, Matt. I'm sure that my listeners will join me in thanking you for your efforts and wishing you best in your future career as a teacher. There can be probably no bigger responsibility in any society than to teach the young and to make sure they're growing up in the right way. So it's definitely helpful to have people who are aware of and resistant of the New World Order in the education system. And absolutely, that's a great sign for the youth of tomorrow. And on the subject of education itself and educating 
children and adults as well, it's important to understand that the education system has been structured around teaching you not to think, teaching you to turn off the critical thinking faculties, which have been so important in advancing the human civilization, in order that the human civilization might become enslaved. And this is in a very important part of history and education itself that a lot of people have, of course, not been taught because it would not behoove the system to teach people how they are not being taught. And this is a subject of a recent interview that I conducted with Jan Irving of GnosticMedia.com, Paul Verge of DivergentFilms.com, and Richard Andrew Grove of TragedyAndHope.com. We had a four-way conversation on the trivium and education, the trivium being the classical lost art of learning, which involves grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and is an extremely important aspect of education that has been missing from our modern education for at least a century or two. So they have started a new website, TriviumEducation.com, that seeks to raise growing awareness of the trivium and of classical education and what we are explicitly not being taught in an effort to enslave us. So let's take a listen to a short extract from this extremely lengthy and interesting interview that I conducted the other day, and which, of course, can be downloaded in its entirety from CorbettReport.com. Yeah, essentially, once you understand the root of philosophy and, and the difference between philosophy and ideology, then you see that there's this, uh, the controllers are always trying to get us to follow an ideology because it's often very groundless and it's marked by all these isms that we have, which are control systems, people management systems. And this idea of a group of ruling elites controlling the many is like super old. You go back to Plato's allegory of the cave and he's essentially explaining how you don't physically control the many, but you you control their perceptions of reality and their understanding of what is correct and what is true. And they'll basically, once they come to trust you for information as an authority, you've got them. And the problem is, is that every system that uses that, eventually the population becomes more aware, the more corrupt that control system becomes and it gets overthrown so the idea of a new world order is they want an order where the population is so subservient so dumbed down and they have such total control that they basically don't have to worry about a revolution happening and so this ideology of the use of force and suppression to control this minimal subservient population is marked by this draw towards a psychopathic mentality right and and it's represented by the these corporate ships that are performing all these you know quote unquote psychopathic actions against the people in the environment so until we understand <clears throat> until we understand exactly what's going on how this ideology has been perpetuated in different forms by different groups for thousands of years so it's not the group affiliation but the ideology itself that is the common thread so people won't start blaming you know, the Jesuits or the Jews or just the Zionists or one particular group, they see how all these groups are interthreaded, not unlike uh, the people in Murder, of the, Murder on the Orient Express, the novel by Agatha Christie, where, sorry to ruin it, but everybody on the, on the train was guilty of the murder. They all had a motive and intention. And so that's what people need to examine and understand. And once they come to that level of understanding where they see the big picture, which is like, you know, that's where our group is, is trying to relay this bigger picture in a more understandable way because it's such a big idea, as George Bush Sr. said, a big idea, the New World Order. 
to get your mind around it and all its permutations, it's designed on purpose to be so huge as to make you crazy, right? To, to drive all this conspiracy theory because they've created this unreality that is our status quo that we're stuck in. And the only way to get to the regular reality is to go through this huge minefield of conspiracy theory. And so what we're trying to do is provide a compass with the tools of critical thinking and with, you know, easily digestible and shareable media that has high production value and is understandable in, in its delivery and reception. And that will get across the idea that gives people the understanding of what's going on. And then they can share that with other people and not have to worry about those people calling them crazy conspiracy theorists because it's based in fact. It's something you can't argue against the tenets of critical thinking. Like, what's the downside of critical thinking? That's what I would say, right? Anyways, so that's the uh, the definition of an, a new world order to me. Well, and I also just thought, you know, I think it's important to point out that when you're looking at it as the ideology of, of people wanting to control other people and they create ideas like the, the individual should be subservient to the state, you have to look at the pattern of history, the pattern of deception over history more specifically and see that the only war that's ever been waged has been the war to suppress consciousness and it's waged against the artists who are trying to express consciousness. And those who suppress consciousness have already reached a level of realization whereby by suppressing everyone else, it allows them to maintain control without really having to grow themselves. It allows them to main, maintain a psychopathic state where they, are, have, they have access to unlimited resources and therefore no one ever says no to them because they're always somebody around them always wants something they have. So anything they want, yes, sir, we'll do that. You know, and so it gets very illogical very fast because these people think that they are different than every other human being on this planet. And I hate to say it, but we all have the same nervous systems and, and digestive systems and et cetera. It's all about what we are doing with our hardware. What kind of software are we putting into our hardware in action here? Do we have a lot of viruses and, and fallacious ideas of, of the world and how it works? And if you do, those wrong decisions are always benefiting the New World Order because they're set up to catch both sides. Once again, please download the entire conversation from CorbettReport.com and please check out TriviumEducation.com, which will be going up with more and more information and will include a lot of detailed history about the Trivium. Going back to the mailbag, we have this email from Al. He writes, quote, Due to the increasing inevitability of internet censorship, we need the Corbett Report to not only inform us of current happenings, but also to educate us much in the manner of the late, great William Cooper. Encourage listeners to develop contingency plans of disseminating information should they begin to shut down alternative media. Encourage sites to mirror and link as much as possible. If Iceland decides to become a free zone to further poke a finger in the NWO bankster's eyes, that would be great, so we should encourage Icelanders to host sister sites for nominal feeds and tax to death any mainstream attempts to set up shop there. End quote. Well, yes, the Icelandic Modern Media Initiative is an exciting development, and hopefully it will turn out for the better, and we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. And if there are any Icelanders out there who are listening to the podcast, please write in and let us know what, what is happening, because it's very difficult to get information in English out of Iceland, and very few people with the IMMI are able to or willing to come on the program to talk about it. So, again, any uh, help from Icelanders out there who might be able to update us would be greatly appreciated. Um, turning to a different subject, we have this on from Abim, who writes, quote, 
The advance of the police state is something we're all aware of. As a 53-year-old black man born and raised in the South Bronx, I may be oversensitized to this issue, but I doubt it. Maybe it's time to include the actual police as the subjects of our education program. If peaceably and lovingly approached with the real info regularly, maybe we could get some of them to see the light. Let me know what you think, end quote. Well, I think that's an excellent idea because the police are not our enemy. The army is not our enemy. They are only being trained to be our enemy. And of course, they are people just like you and me and can and should be reached out to on a regular basis. And for more on that, let's go to the voicemail box and a voicemail from Matt. How to defeat the New World Order. This is Matt, and I'm a member of the Paralyzed Veterans of America. And no one out there should ever pass an opportunity to awaken a police officer, a member of the military, firefighters, and veterans. Because as Jack McGlam once stated, tyranny will come to your door in a uniform. So it's imperative that we wake them all up. When I see a police officer or anybody else, uh, you know, under this, I always ask them if they've ever heard of the organization Oath Keepers. I tell them a little bit about the organization and I give them a DVD with a copy of Oath Keepers video extra from the movie Fall of the Republic. And I also usually go ahead and burn a documentary like Fall of the Republic, Please Stay 4, or Don't Tread on Me all on there also. Um, if you can't do that, then you should just print off the Oath Keepers pamphlets and hand those out. And by the way, no, nobody out there has any excuse to be sitting at home and not getting active. I use a wheelchair 365 days a year. So if I can get out there and be active, then you can too. Well, really, who's going to argue with that? Certainly not me, and my hat's off to Matt for all the work that he's doing. And absolutely, it's important that people do get active and do get off their butt and actually do something to make a difference in this world. And I think people like that are a great example for others to follow. Um, on a different note of resistance, we had a few people writing in on a, maybe a surprising subject, but I'm glad that people are writing in about it. Uh, we had a lengthy email from Shelley who wrote 10 points of different ways to resist the New World Order, but I liked her part point number seven especially. It's very simple. It just reads, art, create some every day. And uh, we, along similar lines, we also had an idea from David who writes, quote, I had an idea to do a series of paintings to wake people up to the tactics of the NWO and or inform people about the trivium, etc. The idea would be to approach this like a graphic design project, but still a fine art piece. Or let's create our own symbols or symbolic art to get the message out, end quote. And that's exactly right. Uh, symbols do have such a, a control over human minds and can shape the way we think and understand the world. And the elite have certainly known this for a very long time, and that's why their symbolic language is so important to them, well, why not make a symbolic language for the people who are interested in freedom and escaping tyranny? And why not create art that is about that message? And where would we be today if we didn't have things like 1984 to look to to understand the types of police state that we're living in? And so much powerful art has been created in resistance to tyranny that uh, I think it's extremely important that the the Eric Blairs of today and all the other great writers and artists and painters and musicians and movie makers and all the people out there who have those talents employ them in the service of humanity and actually create art that does matter. And I guess that brings us to the philosophical slash big picture ideas that we received from a few very thoughtful listeners. 
And we'll turn first to an old friend of the Corbett Report, Daniel Taylor, who was one of the early guests on the Corbett Report in the interview section. And he runs Old Thinker News, an excellent blog at oldthinkernews.com. Please check it out if you haven't yet done so. And Daniel Taylor of Old Thinker News writes, quote, In all of my years of deep research into what has been called the New World Order, I've come to the conclusion that in order to defeat this system, we need to individually look at ourselves in the mirror. There is a reason that military propaganda targets the willpower and determination of its targets. Half of the battle is in the mind and soul. There is a reason that our culture is saturated with degrading imagery and self-esteem-destroying filth. Our very human fiber is being targeted. Every day more people are coming to mirror the demoralized and decadent elite. This is not by accident. Our solution lies in reclaiming our very soul and reconnecting with humanity. In every case, civilizations fall when humanity is debased and loses touch with themselves, their neighbors, and the wider world. End quote. Well, thank you for that, Daniel Taylor. That is an absolutely spot-on assessment. I could not agree more that what is at stake here is our humanity itself. And make no mistake, the elite of today truly do want to engineer humanity at the genetic level, absolutely change humanity into something else in order to make us more serviceable and compliant and to serve at their pleasure. And absolutely, we have to do everything we can to maintain our humanity and to maintain our consciousness and i think our resistance in and of itself is a form of victory so let's turn to a couple of youtube video responses one by youtube user froggy zombie so the question is how do we defeat the new world order well i don't think we can what we can do is become it just change ourselves evolve and become ourselves the new word order. Thank you. Now, perhaps some listeners will take umbrage with the suggestion that the New World Order cannot be defeated or that we must become the New World Order. But I think rather than just taking it out of very simplistic and literal reading, I think that comment is actually quite interesting and does provoke some thought. Perhaps instead of looking at this as trying to defeat the New World Order and trying to have this be some sort of reactionary, defensive-type battle that we place ourselves in, perhaps instead we need to look at it as proactively taking ourselves out of that paradigm, the system of enslaved and creating something for ourselves, creating the type of society that we want to live in, taking that agency for ourselves. So uh, uh, ultimately, if that's what's meant by that statement, I, I do agree with it. We, instead of simply defeating the New World Order, we have to construct a different system that will work for us and will reflect what we want to see in this world. And on that note, I think there's another YouTube video response to my How to Defeat the New World Order video, this time from Judy101101, that nicely and I think simply gets to the heart of one of the psychological manipulations that is used against us and counteracts that propaganda. A lot of the main psychological tool that they use is they make sure that we don't think we have something. We don't think we have power. We don't think we have um, the ability to create. We don't believe in ourselves. We, you know, the only way you can get love and happiness is through buying their stuff. So we need to sort of be like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz and realize we have it all along. Everything that we are programmed to think we are lacking in is something we need to reprogram and a whole entire globe to know 
what power we have. It truly is important to understand just how much time, money, effort, and energy the New World Order puts into trying to put out propaganda to convince you that that you are worthless, that your opinions don't matter, that you can't affect change, and it is enemy propaganda. Lay down, GI, there's nothing you can do. That is propaganda, and it should be absolutely and completely rejected and refuted. We can and we are making a difference, and we will continue to do so, and we have to continue our resistance, which is ultimately the most important thing. And this was said, I think, very eloquently by a correspondent named Kars from, again, from the Netherlands. I seem to have quite a lot of people in the Netherlands that listen. That's interesting. I'm I'm big in Holland. What can I say? Uh, well, let's leave the final comments for today to Kars from the Netherlands. Quote, looking through the eyes of our opponents, psychopathic misleaders, I think the key to corruption as, as well as healing is culture. Just consider how people of ill nature manage to accumulate more power and retain power. Culture is a way of programming a group of people. A healthy culture brings forth the emphatic and good. Now our current culture has hit a record low in quality. It's created and supported by drugs, lies, fear, through institutions like school, state, media, etc. I've looked a bit into cultures that in the past managed to keep empires out, such as the Scots and the Spartans. In both cultures, independence was the highest value. Death was considered almost trivial. Vitally was important was how one lived life, courageous. How to counter this? We could create a culture that promotes doing, taking chances, experiencing, learning, achieving, growing into an independent adult. I would name it courage culture. Courage, I think, is the key for people to rise above their fear, grow into a true independent adult. I find the word courage, French and English, meaning reflect what we need. Cour is the French word for heart. Rage is the English second part of this beautiful word that describes righteous anger, anger from the heart, and anger from the precious ability that separates us from the psychopath, empathetic consciousness. I think movements like We Are Change are on the money embracing, subconsciously, the courageous values. If we across the human resistance could promote this courage culture, make it part of our media and action, we could have an effect. We should help and reward whistleblowers and everyone else with at least support, recognition, pride, and appreciation. End quote. Absolutely, 100% spot on. We need a courage culture because only by having courage and standing up against the forces that are lining themselves up against us will we ever have a chance of successfully resisting our enslavement. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And on that note of appreciation, I would once again like to thank everyone who submitted something for today's episode. I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to include everything that came in, but every single response is greatly appreciated. And I appreciate all the listeners who continue to go along on this journey with me and to fight against the New World Order. And I am your host, James Corbett, thanking you so much for joining me for this 150th episode of the Corbett Report podcast and inviting you, as always, to join me next week for episode 152, Crashes of Convenience. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime and bad mistakes. I've made a few.